Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by NFL Draft Analyst Ryan Roberts. Today, we're going to be talking about the outcomes of Week 10, some guys that really caught our attention with big performances, one guy in particular that had us scratching our heads, and we want to revisit some concerns for that player specifically. Before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Bet Online. Basketball is back. BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to be your be, bet on your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ryan, how are we doing today? Good man, good. I've I've decided to buy fully into no shave November this year, so I um, <laughs> I, I got it sported. You should do it, man. You should do it. I, I can't, man. Dude, the I mean, I can't farms, either. I well, can't already, either. But I, I've already shaved, so it's it's too late. But I, it does not look good when I don't shave. I can't. Are you a, are you a patchy guy, man? You got some patches. It, extreme though. I could like maybe do like a mustache and like a little beard, but like it just doesn't it doesn't look good. I look really ratty when I. Try how to much talk. how much would I have to give you to grow a mustache for a month? I would do it for a hundred dollars. Hmm. Let, let me let me ponder that. Let me ponder <laughs> that. Maybe, maybe we get some donations from the channel that somebody is willing to pay the hundred dollars. <laughs> it's, so, it's, uh, it's Colin Sutrick in here. He can do some super chats, right? <laughs> well, we're not we're not live. Well, you're we're not live. We're, we need to start going live. We need to start going live. Yeah, I, I'll talk to you about that off air. We had Sean and I had really really good viewership for live. So maybe that's something that we do now that now that we're going to be taping in the mornings mornings uh, during the week. But yep. Um, Ryan, despite the uh, the attempts to buy me into getting a mustache, uh, we are bought in on some players that had really good performances this week. And I want to start things off with the obvious one. Like, there shouldn't be any debate. There shouldn't be a hot take, really. To bring up Keely Ringo, Georgia's starting talented corner, and Jalen Carter, the likely top three pick defensive tackle on Georgia's front seven. Yeah. Both of these guys not only had really good games against Tennessee – but their dominant performances were a big reason why they won this football game. And I got to say in particular, Ryan, that one play that Keely Ringo made where he locked down Cedric Tillman and in phase, tracked the ball, stayed with him you know, tight on his hip, and they made a catch almost like a receiver. Like That to me really actualized who Keely Ringo is as a prospect. The things that he can do and the steps that he can take to the next level – or why he's in that debate as the potential cornerback one. Yeah, it, it was a very nice – it was a nice opportunity for him, Joe, because, I mean, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, right? It's about actualizing potential for him. I mean, it's not easy to watch him and be like, okay, the kid is 6'2", with long arms, with long speed. I mean, he's got a track background. 
some ball level of ball skills. Like all those things are there. It's just he hasn't really put it all together up until this point, right? And I think that you saw him actualizing that potential a little bit this past week, right? Like you mentioned the matchup with Cedric Tillman. I mean, Tillman is a I think a verified over six foot three, 215 pound guy who's gonna run in the high four fours. Like he's a really good athlete. I think that he has the potential to be maybe the top senior wide receiver off the board somewhere in the top 50 picks. Like Cedric Tillman's a very talented football player and Keely Ringo showing the ability to go step for step with that type of player to be able to work vertically and to be so calm working down the field those are the things that you really want to see for him because the talent's off the charts if he starts really turning potential into consistency into production those things are the stuff that's the next step for Keely Ringo and I, I mean I've been on board since the summer excuse me when we talked about him right like Talent-wise, Keely Ringo is potentially the top corner in the 2023 mm-hmm. class. Like, There's no doubt about that. It's just about when is he going to hit close to that ceiling? When is he going to start actualizing? When is he going to start producing at a higher level? This, this, first, this game against Georgia was a huge step because he's facing off against guys, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, who's been a mm-hmm. fantastic player for Tennessee, Brew McCoy, who was once a five-star recruit that's had some good, good spurts of good football play for Tennessee this year. So the the matchup that this secondary had just in general, but especially what Keely Ringo was able to accomplish against short, uh, against Tennessee, I think it was a great step for him becoming potentially that first corner off the board that we've been talking about for a few months now. And that was what the debate that you and I had during the offseason, which is why I think this is like such a fun thing to bring up, was you were higher on Clark Phillips than I was. Mm-hmm. I had Ringo one and, and then Clark Phillips two, and then you were the vice versa. And your argument was that Clark Phillips was bringing the technique, bringing the production to the right. field and actually doing it. But now if like, heck, if, if Keeley finishes out this final stretch, making more plays like that and stepping up the way that he did. Now, he didn't have a perfect game. There was no. one play in particular where he, I think it was like a DPI play and it was kind of like a stupid pass interference play that he made. I forget the exact context of it. But if he continues to show a lot of those things with his size profile, he looks like a linebacker. Like he looks bigger than he did during the offseason, which is scary. I think if he puts it all together, I, it, it might not be much of a question if he's going to be the first corner selected. As much as we like Clark Phillips, mm-hmm. it just might be one of those things where the NFL is going to fall in love because of his size and his his physical profile. Well, it's it, this is so this is my take on it, right? Clark Phillips, I am very high on, obviously, right? And I'm I'm willing, and I've already put it out in the universe, that I think that he's the top corner in the 2023 class. And you mentioned it. It's because he's more of a finished product. He is a very confident physical football player. Does Keely Ringo have a much higher upside than Clark Phillips? For sure. There's no, there's no debate there, right? Because like you said, I mean, Keely Ringo is six foot two and weighing near now, around 220 pounds now. And he's going to run potentially in the, in the four threes and we're going to have like a 40 inch vert. Like those things are incalculable to how high of an upside that this player has. So is Keely Ringo going to go get drafted higher than Clark Phillips? For sure. For sure. There's no question about it. The NFL is going to value what Keely Ringo brings to the table. There is no question about that. My, my question is because, 
like what like think back to the JC Horn draft, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people that had Patrick Sertan Jr. as the top corner. I had JC Horn. It wasn't as much about who's the first corner off the board. It was like who is I comfortable with being the more successful football player? I'm still a little more confident in what I've seen from Clark Phillips as a player, but the talent level, Keith Ringo is going to be the first corner off the board. I would be surprised if he wasn't. Like he's that type yeah. of dude because yeah. he's going to blow up the combine. He's going to Look the part. He's from an SEC school. He's a multi-year starter. Like the NFL is going to value Keely Ringo. He's talented. And I good comp for him, Joe. Not for me. I think Jordan Reed was the one from ESPN that put it out in the universe that said that he reminded him of uh Z- of Z- I almost said Xavier Woods, of um well uh Xavier Rhodes, excuse me, excuse oh. me, which is a was- interesting comp. Yeah, because Xavier Rhodes is like 6'2", 215, right? He was he's massive, dude. When he was yeah. coming out of Florida State, he was like the same guy, though, where like he's bigger. He's not quite as cat quick, but like he can match up with anybody on a vertical plane, and he was just so physical. Like mm. that's – yeah, that's an interesting comment from Jordan. I like that one too, uh, to Rhodes. No, that's a that's a really – a really fun one, uh, which is the first that you've brought somebody else's comp on the show. And I'm, I'm surprised you didn't. Cause I usually hate comps that people make, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one was pretty good. Um, yes. Jalen Carter though, however, also had like a really, really good game here. And that whole defensive yep. line was all over Hendon hooker. And honestly, this defensive line is one of those groups where if they're collectively having success, it's because Jalen Carter himself is having a crap ton of success. And I, I don't think like there's anything new to take away from this. It's more of just like a little quick throw to say, hey, guys, remember Jalen Carter? Well, he yeah. showed up this week, and he's going to keep showing up until the end of the season. Uh, like I, I can't even sit here and say, like, oh, is he a top three pick as a discussion point? Because we already know it. It's just a quick reminder. Yeah. Hey, Jalen Carter's really freaking good. Yeah, and because he, he's been banged up a little bit, right? Like coming into the football game, this was like his first game where he was like healthy, healthy in a couple contests. And I mean, you saw it, man. Like, I compared him to Warren Sapp in the summer. Like, I see that. Like, he's just so densely built, so explosive, powerful hands. Everything's there for Jalen, man. Like, he's he's an elite prospect. And when you're talking about the Georgia defensive line versus the Tennessee offensive line, Joe, like, coming into the game, I picked Georgia to win the football game because I thought that that was the biggest area where Georgia had a clear advantage. You know, like, yeah, Tennessee's, off- Tennessee's offensive line's okay. Like, the right tackle – Darnell Wright's a pretty solid football player, but like compared to guys like Jalen Carter's of the world, like they're just not that caliber of player, right? So Jalen did exactly what you should expect him to do against a team that he's that is not nearly as good as him. He dominated the football game. I don't think that it's unquestionable, un- unreasonable, excuse me. If someone told me, hey, health all health aside, when everyone is equally as healthy that Jalen Carter might be the best prospect in this class. I still think it's Will Anderson, but I would accept someone saying that. Like, it's not unreasonable. It's re- it's it's not unreasonable to say that. And the tough thing, and we haven't really done like a full film evalue, evaluation, and I know this fits exactly into something I brought up a while ago. Like, Will Anderson hasn't really played as good as he did last year. And I know that there has been a much more aggressive approach to stop him. And again, I, I fully predicted this and we both fully predicted this, that his stats are not going to be as good because there is going to be such an aggressive effort to neutralize him mm-hmm. by opposing offensive lines. But I think Jalen Carter has been showing up a little bit more in highlights than Will Anderson has. Like there's been a couple of games where people have talked about like, where was Will Anderson? Like Will Anderson was 
was almost taken out of the game. And I know that that's like something that comes with the territory, but it, it might actually end up being that that the that possibility that Jalen Carter is the highest ranked prospect in the class, maybe not taken there because of the fact he's a defensive tackle, but there mm-hmm. is a slight push ahead by Jalen Carter over Will Anderson lately. Yeah, and and I mean, I th- I think that for me, when we're talking about Will, what, you said it already, right? Like we knew his stats were going to be quite as good as they were last year because how many guys are going to stack back-to-back 30-plus tackle for losses in 17-and-a-half sack seasons? Like that's just yeah. unreal. I think his impact has still been – <laughs> right right in the cusp, right? Like he's made a yes. huge impact. I mean, what do you think about Texas A&M, which was their other close game outside of the LSU loss this past weekend? I mean, Will Anderson took over that game down yeah. the stretch, man. Like they could not – Did he? I don't even think he recorded a sack against Texas A&M, but it was just like hurry after hurry after hurry. And when you look at it like his pass rush, pass rush win rate, excuse me, the, the hurries that he's getting, quarterback hits, it might not be actualizing into as many quarterback sacks as it was last year, but he's still been a high-impact pass rusher for Alabama. Yeah, and it that, like that's exactly kind of what I was trying to get to is, is mm-hmm. more so we just don't see him as much. Like We're not talking right. about him as much because he's being taken out of these games by opposing offensive coordinators, and they're all doing a really good job because it's the SEC – Everyone yep. is on you know big brain level scheming, so they're going to figure out a way to get him out of the game. But we're talking a lot about Jalen Carter. Somebody who was getting talked about a lot this past weekend was Florida's quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Now, he yep. played up against uh, a bunch of walk-ons, basically, for Texas A&M, a bunch of freshmen, because of a, a flu outbreak. Maybe it was the transfer portal flu uh, that was going down with that, that Aggie squad. But nonetheless, Anthony Richardson took over that game, which he has done multiple times this season against different opponents there is one play that's floating out there and a lot of people have been tweeting it out and I think I even posted a YouTube short of it where he properly steps up in the pocket evades pressure cool cool, calm collected and then the craziest part about the play Ryan that just had me like saying holy shit out loud was the fact that the ball just kind of lightly flicked off his wrist like there was no wind up or anything it was just like pop right out of his hand and it was a missile that was delivered in the end zone for a touchdown that is what he can do we haven't seen consistently those types of plays but anthony richardson man i i think in that 2024 class he's going to be so stupidly good you think he's definitely a 2024 kid you don't think it's it's just any chance for 2023 because i'm starting to feel the Uh, opposite joe for a couple weeks there i was like this kid can't come out yeah, but if, if he stacks a couple performances like this in a row, I mean, let's be honest. Quarterback three is wide open. If we're being compl- like, if we're being real, yes, right, yes. Like the NFL that Hendon played this past weekend, it's totally right. wide. I open. mean, it, it Hendon still had it had a lot of high points in that football game. It was just he was outmatched Georgia versus Tennessee. But Hendon is a twenty-five year old, going to be a twenty-five year old rookie. People are going to look at him and just kind of you know look at that age, and some people are going to knock him down. Will Levis, the NFL is going to value extensively, but the thing about Hen- about Will Levis is that we know that he is a very volatile player right now. Mm-hmm. Like there is going to be some people watching the film that are just not going to be comfortable with him, and the same is going to be said with Anthony Richardson to a large degree. But the difference is that Anthony Richardson is a young guy still, right? Like he still has developmental yes. time. Will Levis is going to be a twenty-four year old rookie. He's in that same window as a headed hooker as far as age. I mean, I'm trying to look it up real quick because I know Richardson is a young guy and I know we have it somewhere on here. Yeah. I mean, well, Anthony Richardson is still 21 years old. Like he's mm-hmm. a young, 
young cats still, right? So there's going to be a big question, Joe, because I would not put this past the NFL that some teams will look at Anthony Richardson and say, that's QB3. That's him because of the age factor, because of the play getting better now, potentially down the stretch of the field. I mean, the thing for me in this past game was everything that makes Anthony Richardson exciting was was has been on display all the season, but was especially on display in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Great athlete, huge frame. I mean, this kid, the minute he plays in the NFL, Joe, like outside of Lamar Jackson and maybe Justin Fields, like this is the best athlete a quarterback in the NFL. Like there's no, no doubt. doubt about it. He is insane at 6'4", 235 pounds. Arm strength wise, I mean, the velocity this kid creates with very little moment, like very little movement is just dumb, man. Like he can fire that ball in some very, very tight windows. You mentioned the throw he made, obviously, you know, kind of taking a little off of it and throwing with some touch. He, There's so many incredible things that he can do athletically. And then the fact that he's only 21 years old gives you hope like, hey, seeing how comfortable he was against Texas A&M, if he can continue to trend in the right direction, because that was my big takeaway from that game. Not that he did anything that I hadn't seen him do. It was that he looked comfortable doing it, right? Like he looked more in control. He looks like he, he looked like he was comfortable in his own skin during this football game. So that was a big moment, I think, for Anthony Richardson. He needs to become a more consistent player and play to that degree on a week-to-week basis. But I was very impressed with what I saw against Texas A&M. Very impressed. Now, I think there's a couple of factors that come into play for him entering this class. One of the ones that help him end up leaving, I think, is the turmoil and some of the behind-the-scenes drama that's happening with Billy Napier in this roster. And Anthony Richardson wasn't a Billy Napier guy. He wasn't recruited by him. He was inherited by him. So it's one of those things where he has no attachment to his head coach. And he could say, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this. Like, coach, just I think this is something for you to figure out. Next season, I'm sure you'll find a great kid. And I'm not that guy. Like, I need to move on to better things. This is this might hurt my draft stock in the future. That will help him likely move forward if he, like you're talking about, strings together good games. But on the flip side of this, I think even if he does string together good games. The argument that could be met uh, made with his, you know, his agent probably having this conversation with him, like, do you want to declare this year and risk going um, past the top fifteen, a top fifteen pick, and somewhere in the second round, or do you want to come back, put together a full season of really good tape, and then be the first quarterback selected or a top five pick? And I think that mm-hmm. that is where the debate is going to come into play for him if he's going to make the decision to leave because there, I mean, either way it works. And I totally agree if he's being drafted purely on traits and we've seen some guys that were even more just straight up traits than him yep. that were drafted high in the first round. Um, but it just kind of, I think it just comes down to like, what does he want to do? And if he does go in the 2024 class, he puts it together. I think he could be the first guy taken without a doubt. It's po- it's possible. I, I would say this show, it's just a, what is, what does he value in the decision, right? Because I agree with you. Mm-hmm. If I was an advisor for Anthony Richardson, I'd be like, Anthony, you had some really nice moments, but you had some really up and down moments, obviously, this year, right? Like there were some weeks where you looked like an undraftable player, and then there were some weeks where you looked like you could be a superstar in the NFL. Like it was just too up and down. Go back to school, do it at a more consistent clip, and you could be that guy. I mean, talking about next year's class with the – Caleb Williams of the world with the Drake Mays of the world with that type of quarterback. He, there's no reason that Anthony Richardson can't be at the top of that board from a talent level perspective. So advising wise, hundred percent, 
But we also know that there's a lot of factors that go into these decisions, right? Where am I going to get drafted? Where does the NFL value me? What teams are looking at me where a potential fit would be the best logical decision for me? Is money a thing that kind of is, you know, kind of works into my conversation, right? Like the generational money, helping your family, all that type of stuff. There's a lot of things that go into a decision in a vacuum. I agree completely. Go back to school, be a more consistent football player. You have a big time future if you're able to put it together. But it's always just about what drives a kid towards decision. Those things we don't really know, but I think in a vacuum, you're correct. Going back to school, I think, is most beneficial for him. Yeah, and we'll see what Anthony Richardson does. Uh, a guy that is in this class, though, Josh Downs from UNC, who's had a couple spurts this year of really good games. But you had the stat line, and and I don't have it written down because I'm an idiot and I should have <laughs> written it down. But his game this past weekend for North Carolina, first of all, Drake May, has been fantastic so far this season as a as a redshirt freshman quarterback. Yep. Extremely dominant and he's somebody whose name is going to get brought up in next year's class when we do our evaluations. But, however, Josh Downs man, speedy, explosive receiver, uh him making the catches that he did, he is po- quite possibly the the first deep threat that is going to be ranked in this receiver group and considered to be the best and the most explosive deep threat because we haven't really seen much from Zay Flowers this season. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. Downs, another great game this weekend. Yeah, and, and he's also a kid that's still young, man. He's only 21 years old. He's only a true junior. So, you know, is he going to be part of the class? Is he not? I mean, I think, Joe, for me, it's a conversation between piece between who's the most underrated wide receiver in the class. My top two guys would be Josh Downs and Zay Flowers, man. Yeah. And, and the reason that they're undervalued is because they're not the biggest wide receivers of all time, right? Josh Downs is 5'11", 5'10". 180 pounds, maybe soaking wet. Like he's not a big guy, but the stat line that you mentioned against Virginia, 15 receptions, 166 yards and a touchdown on 16 targets, 15 out of 16, dude, is just dumb. Like that doesn't make any sense. And the things that make him special, you mentioned, he has speed. He's able to win vertically. He's a multi-level threat. He's got yak ability as a slot receiver, but what he's added to his game when healthy this year is what really gets me excited because he's been able to win through contact a lot more. He's been able to win about at the catch point at a weird rate for a guy as big as he is. Like, like he's been doing kind of those dirty work things on top of being dynamic, on top of being explosive, on top of being a yak guy. So I'm in on Josh Downs, man. If he declares, I would draft him in the late first round without even thinking twice about it. I, I really would. I think he's that type of player. I think he's you remember when – do you remember when uh, – was it the Colts that drafted Philip Dorsett in the first yes, round? Was yes, that it? Yes, This is what they tried to make Philip Dorsett's, right? Like this – everyone knew Philip Dorsett wasn't that guy at Miami. He was just a really fast player. This is the player that they want in that regard, right? A yak player, explosive, dynamic. That's what Josh Downs is. I'm having a total brain fart. Who the hell was the Penn State kid who got drafted by the Commanders? This past year, Jahan Dotson, Jahan Dotson. So like yeah. very similar. It's, it's what a team is looking to fill with similar is, body type too. It's not, yeah. it's not a bad comp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm not like direct comparison, but like if we're yeah. just talking about like if a team wants a deep threat and I'm sure that they wanted Jamison Williams and they didn't get Jamison Williams. He's, I don't see a reason why he can't be brought up as that first like deep threat, you know, deep attack type receiver. It's, it's interesting, too, Joe, because John Dotson was overdrafted a little bit. You know, he went 16th bit. overall to the Commanders. Still a, a good football player, though, no doubt. Josh Downs is a better football player than John Dotson, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. 
Totally and we agree. just saw Dotson go 16th overall. So that, that element, I think, is very valuable to the NFL, without a doubt. It's definitely possible. And it's also really possible that Bijan Robinson's a top 15 pick. I, I haven't seen anyone be this consistent as a running back this season as as Bijan has. Like straight up week to week, he has had so many huge performances. And the way that he played against Kansas State was next level in terms of taking over a football game. Texas's offensive line is also not very good. Like they have a freshman left tackle, Kelvin Banks, who's no. a pretty talented football player, but like it has not been a great unit overall. Bijan is just it's hard to find a hole in him, man. It really is. Cause I mean, Joe, he's he is six foot, 220 plus pounds, strong physical runner, but he's also got an explosive gear, man. Like, I don't think he's gonna be like a, you know. 4-4 low type of athlete. Like, I don't think he's going to run in the Saquon Barkley range of things. But my guy can run for his size. And the thing that he does really well for a bigger back that's a little unusual is he gets to his top speed very quickly. Like, usually those types of guys take a couple steps to really get going. He instant accelerator, quick change of direction player for his size. And at that size profile, despite being a bigger back, he does some things in the passing game that kind of make you double take, man. Like he, there's some plays where they'll run him down the seam and he'll win like contested 50, 50 balls down the field, almost like a true wide receiver. So this kid's an all around weapon. There's a dynamic ability for him comparative to his size, but consistent people mover will move the chains. will move the piles and he's explosive for all days, man. So this is the top running back in the class. I don't even think it's particularly close. I'm a big Jameer Gibbs guy. I know you're a big Jameer Gibbs yes. guy. But this, for me, just in a vacuum, he's not going to go this high. But this is a top five player in this class, in my opinion. He's not going to go top five because he's a running back, but he's that good. Yeah, I'm a little more bought in on Bijan, but you talked about a lot of the acceleration stuff. But the, the one thing for me that I saw so much in this game is not only the vision to find open holes, but the way that he was able to just like plant and explode immediately through his cut, like that's what makes him dangerous. And that's what makes him somebody a candidate to be a 25 carry back for his first four years in the NFL. Somebody who just needs like that last remaining offensive piece is going to draft him. I'm hoping it's not a bad team with a bad offensive line that thinks he's going to be their workhorse Derrick Henry back like this is the 1990s. But a creative offensive coordinator is going to say like, hey, we've got everything put together. Let's plug this kid in and we're going to take that next step. Uh, I think he absolutely has that in him. And it was also a fun parallel seeing him go up against Deuce Vaughn, who's just a completely different player. <laughs> um, but the both of them had really good games. And I, it was just like really good proof that they're both going to be drafted pretty highly. Vaughn probably not as high, but they, you know, again, fun, fun matchup. You know, it would be the dream backfield, Joe. If I was, if I was a, if I was a, uh, if I was a team that wanted the ideal backup backfield, it would be Bijan as my lead back, and then Deuce Vaughn as my third down back, change of pace type player back. Could you imagine those guys <laughs> playing together? That would be oh my fantastic. God. That would be stupid. Good, good luck <laughs> stopping that. <laughs> <laughs> you could use them in the backfield at the same time. Too, yes, which would be ridiculous, man. Be motion ridiculous. one, guy, motion Deuce Vaughn out into the slot. Like you yeah. could get so freaking creative with that. That's that feels like such a um, a Kyle Shanahan you know, type <laughs> yes. of pairing. But uh, they have Christian McCaffrey, so it's probably not going to happen. Last thing I just want to hit on before we wrap, Ryan, I don't want to spend too much time on this because like, I don't want to overanalyze it, but I did yeah. tweet this out. And one thing that we talked about during the offseason with CJ Stroud as a player 
-hmm. is that sometimes the decision-making is not backing up the talent. And what I mean by the decision-making is not that he's making stupid decisions, but whenever those first throws aren't there, he seems to not really know what to do. He looks frozen. He looks like he, he doesn't really know what the best decision is to make at that point. And there's a lot of forced throws that you see from him. Against Northwestern, I think that all came to fruition. And I have no idea how Northwestern, with that crappy of a roster, was able to play as good as they did. I know that the weather was horrible, but yeah. there were a lot of throws that he was making that weren't misplaced, and I give him credit for his accuracy, but was trying to force it in really, really tight coverage. I think that that is continued proof for that issue that we've talked about, and it's one of the few games, maybe we'll see it against Michigan in the college football playoff, it's one of those few games where if a defense locks down receivers, he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know how to find the next guy, and he's still trying to force the ball into one or his first or his second initial read. It's really weird what's happened with Ohio State over the last couple games because they are teams are kind of stopping the run pretty effectively against them because Travion's been kind of banked up throughout the year, obviously, and Mayan Williams has kind of taken the lead bell cow role. Mm -hmm. So Ohio State's playing without much of a running game the last couple weeks. And I mean, like you said, wasn't the best weather conditions for a quarterback. There's no doubt. I mean, there was like 30 mile per mile hour gusts, I believe, in that football game, if I remember correctly. It was just, it was an awkward, weird game, man, because like there's just some throws, I agree, that just kind of were a little bit errant in that game, a little troubling. And I know he's not, he's not playing with Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I mean, you still have Marvin Harrison Jr. You still have Emeka Ibuka. You still have Cade Stover. Like, there's still a lot, a lot of pass catchers for Ohio State that, you know, that's not really not an excuse, right? So I, I don't want to get too hyper-focused on it because, right. again, it is just one game, right? Like, right. we don't make an opinion off of one game, but it was a little troubling. The one thing, though, that's making me really nervous with C.J. Joe, and I know we've talked about this before, look, C.J. Stroud is a pocket quarterback. He's a pocket passer. He moves well in the pocket. He's got good eyes. Like he makes, you know, he, he makes a lot of throws that kind of make you double take. Like he's got a great talent to him. There were some plays though against Northwestern where steps up into the pocket. Everybody, you know, the pocket is kind of cleared a little bit. There's nobody open. And there's just a hesitancy to just run the football and pick up a first down. Now in the second yeah. half. Ryan Day was like, okay, we're going to run some zone read with him. And he had like a huge run where he almost took it for a touchdown. And I'm just like, he is one of the best athletes that doesn't know it, right? Like he's a good athlete for the quarterback position. For whatever reason, he just does not like to utilize it. And I, that worries me a little bit. It worries me a little bit because there's probably three to four times a game that I think that C.J. Stroud could just pick up a first down with his legs and keep things moving and not make things difficult on himself. I think he's making it a little harder than it has to be at times. Like that's my hesitancy with, with C.J. Stroud right now. I, I totally agree, and that's going to open up his game a lot more if he starts doing that. But I also think part of it is like him trying too hard to find like that big play. Like He's inherently in an offense that is like a big play offense where they're, they've got, he's got so many weapons to work, work with so many different guys that he connect with. And oftentimes they're picking up like huge 20 yard chunks on offense and they're easily moving the ball down the field. So it almost feels like instead of him taking those six yards that are given to him, he is always inherently looking for that. Like, Hey, I want to find that initial read. I just need to wait a little longer. It's going to open up. It's going to open up. It's just a weird approach that 
he needs to talk himself out of. And maybe it's like what we've talked about with so many of these Ohio State quarterbacks. The scheme negatively impacts their ability to make precise decisions. And hopefully at the NFL, he can he can work out of that. Mm-hmm. I do think that he is the best processor of the Ohio State quarterbacks we've seen recently. I do. I think he's a more... I think he's a consistently better processor than Justin Fields ever was, yeah. for instance, right? But I mean, to your point, man, there is some concerns with CJ. There's some concerns with Bryce, too, right? Like this isn't like a there's no clear Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck in this class right now, right? Both right. very talented quarterbacks, both guys that I would be willing to draft high in this class. Just to your point, there are some things that you want CJ to clean up and, you know, hopefully Northwestern is just a bump along the road and it doesn't turn into an, a major issue, but it is something to talk about, obviously, because it did happen, right? It was there. We, we all saw yeah. it on Saturday. It's a great note to wrap us up on, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button at Joe DeLeo and at Rise and Draft. Don't miss out on our next episode. We will be back with more NFL Draft Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Wow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.